Hello, welcome to a very special, almost terrifying <laughs> new episode of our fake television show, Debatable, Dominique Foxworth. Uh, what are we doing today, besides being sponsored, presented graciously by Corona? Yes, yes. Well, I know one thing we're doing, talking about football. Another thing we're doing is welcoming in a great football expert in the second part of the show, Spencer Hall. But before we get to that fun, let's talk about something that was decidedly less fun. Last well, night's prime time, I was going to say extravaganza, but it certainly was not extravagant. <laughs> no, kind of like a sad child's birthday party where the clown reveals himself to be like uh, uh, a broken hand. There you go. Jump pass. Jump pass. Uh, I miss, that's uh, a, I mean, uh, your uh, jump pass percentage is pretty good. Look, but it's today... real early in the season, Dominique. <laughs> okay. Uh, my broken hand clown metaphor, I still feel like applies if you move some words around. But Alabaster, should we just start with the harsh reality of Dak Prescott? Yeah. My question for you guys, is the Cowboys season over? Yep. <laughs> All right. You guys ready to move on? Welcome in Spencer Hall. Spencer Hall. <laughs> No, I mean, Dominique, look, you are the world's foremost Dak Prescott stan. That's how I've come to appreciate you. Stan? And now we have. Uh, See, I Zim? can't. Is so I, what, what, what do you know? I, I am fine when people on other shows that I am not deeply involved with categorize me as that. But here I'm not OK with that. See, what happened oh, you want with the Dak nuance. Prescott? You want nuance. Yeah, I mean, what happened with Dak Prescott was he was being generally underappreciated and compared to Carson Wentz early in his career. And I was like, y'all not watching. He's better than that. And I was alone on that island. So then people made fun of me and said I was like a Dak Prescott family member. When actually, no, I was just being honest about Dak Prescott, which I can be honest about him not playing well last night and then having a uh, um, broken finger, which is going to certainly make, I think the season was over. Honestly, I thought the season was over before that got hurt <laughs> Same. because the offensive line was a shambles. They had one receiver that anybody else in the league might want. Um, and they were relying on Zeke Elliott, which he actually looked better last night, but you're in the modern NFL and you're like, Hey, we go as the running back goes, you're in bad shape. And then we can get yeah. to the defense, which has, Micah Parsons, who, as we all know, is terrifying. Yes, you guys yeah, never oh, don't, forget don't that. Don't do that. There okay. it is. Great. The greatest tweet in Twitter history. <laughs> <laughs> but he was not enough uh, you yesterday. Base, you basic bitch. <laughs> you I'm basic not a basic Twitter bitch. B-word. That, Sorry, that, I don't want to curse on our fake television show. That tweet may be a little bit basic <laughs> in female dog-like, but I am not, sir. So, so here's the, the more nuanced reality, Dominique, because there's the card before this card that was even more advanced. And it was simply that six to eight weeks is the prognosis, right? Hand surgery, Jerry said, the doctor, <laughs> the doctor on the side. Oh, man. <laughs> That's the real doctor. story here of this show is that he got checked out by a trainer slash medical professional who had a literal cowboy hat on, a giant was- cowboy hat. I was wondering when they do the surgery, is the anesthesia bourbon when your doctor has oh, a cowboy Oh, no, that hat? dude, that dude had a give belt. You a stick. <laughs> he had a belt down. full of <laughs> definite, <laughs> definite uh, stick, definite um, belt full of horse dewormer. Just like that dude is ready, ready for uh, all of your livestock. Oh, feed. man. Well, I mean, it's but, disappointing. But in throwing thumb, right? Right hand throwing thumb. That's yeah. that's more than just a like, oh, he'll be back and fine. And that's a like, Ugh. yeah, that's that's scary for a number of reasons. And uh, it's really terrifying for the sports media complex to have such a big chess piece taken off the board immediately because Dak was going to be good enough to win them a few games so to right. give us a reason to talk about You're them. Right. Cooper Rush. I don't, I don't believe that he is going to give us what, excuse me. I don't reckon that we're going to have <laughs> much Cowboys to discuss this season. Yeah. Uh, uh, varmints, tardation. I'm cycling through <laughs> yeah. my vocabulary. vocabulary. Here. All of the words that Stephen A had learned. And now is like the one Stephen A. I mean, what a roller coaster, right? Like, cause you're right. Today you get the whole, you get the whole party that he wants to throw. That is, uh, hey, your season's over, and he'll be right. Yeah, because we agree. But from now on, it's just sort of like, 
they don't matter. Yeah. They're at the bottom of the NFC East, Dominique. Literally, they are the one team that lost, and they're going to remain there, it feels like, for far longer than our business would like. Yeah, I mean, there is – I was going to say there is no hope, but we don't know how good or bad Cooper Rush is. Don't but, we, though? I mean, kind of. I don't know. I was trying my best because I imagine Stephen A, after he walks off set today, he's going to be celebrating – and like slowly transitioning to tears because that is so much. And it's not just him. He represents the sports media uh, complex. And Precisely. all of us are like, yes, we're going to have Cowboys to feast on all week. Yeah, making fun of them. An injury yeah. to Dak is the worst version. We need Dak right. to be there and bad I mean, for us exactly. to get the most takes off. And now we have to do the theater of, of worry and concern and meanwhile, the person who was unworried and unconcerned is Tom Brady, who is 45, the oldest man to ever start a game in the NFL. And yeah, I mean, Alabaster, do we even need to discuss the fact that, yeah, the Bucks won 19 to three, Tom Brady looked, it didn't look impressive. That pick. Yeah, that one pick that was bad, but. No, but I just mean the team know. in general kicked a lot of field goals um, and they dominated a Cowboys offense that we all acknowledged was depleted so I guess I thought that we're going to come out of these games with some answers about um, Tampa Bay I'd already decided that the Cowboys season was probably not going to be very fruitful but I thought we would find out about the interior of the of the of the um, Buccaneers offensive line we'd find right. out how good their defense really is because they're very talented and they're led by Todd Bowles who's now their head coach and I it's hard for me to not feel like this is one of those college early season games where you really don't know much about your team because they did not dominate the bad team, but they That's won. Fair. Yeah, Shaq Barrett is currently, let's do some statistical analysis. Shaq Barrett is currently on pace to break 17 quarterbacks' hands <laughs> at this rate, which is incredible, Alabaster. Should we talk to Spencer Hall? I feel like I'm out of clown metaphors, so yeah, please. Are you calling Spencer a clown? Spencer Hall, thank you for saving me from a lonely night with Dominique. Um, it's, night? It was, I mean, it's daytime. What are you talking about, lonely night? Get out of here. Sorry, sorry. I've, I've misplaced my, my uh, sense of time and space. <laughs> um, but you're here, and Alabaster, mm -hmm. what an honor to have a true football expert joining me and whatever Dominique is these days. That's right. I, it, it's, it's my pleasure having watched uh, like 48 solid hours of football. I was it's thinking so, about this. When I knew so that you would much. be on, I was so like during Saturday, like I'm milling around. I'll catch a little bit of college football and I'll look at Twitter and I'm like, he is in on all these games. And then today, the same thing, like do when you like take off Tuesday or something, what the hell, how do you live? I just spend most of Tuesday afternoon crying okay. and then I reset. It's good. I just it's have a sacrifice. Breakdown. Yeah. Sacrifice you make and, for all of us. Thank you. And you know, the best part is that I do all of that and field Yates just keeps going. Like field Yates <laughs> is just stuck on field automatic. Yates is going to open up his skull like a Westworld <sighs> character and reveal oh, himself to be a robot. <laughs> Spencer though, yeah. Spencer, I feel like is, 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 actually sacrificing his life yeah, to cover it does all like of it. these topics. It yeah. does feel like it. Like when you die, we should act like the queen died. It's the same thing. Actually, actually, not the way that, oh, not no. the way, not the way that we acted. We should act the way that Great Britain. Never mind. Forget it all together. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Joe give Burrow, me Joe Burrow. <laughs> okay. Let's get into it. And the question <sighs> I have for you guys is Joe Burrow was everyone's favorite quarterback coming out of last season. How do you explain Joe Burrow's bad day? Mm. I mean, <laughs> I had like, the defensive line. Like they gave, they got sacked. He got sacked seven times. His yeah. interceptions were not pretty. He attacked the middle. Well, one of them was just JJ Watt or TJ Watt doing something freakish. So some I don't blame. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. He is. Well, whole alleged MRI, MRI is not until this morning 
which is tomorrow, but you got it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so that I'll excuse him for. He attacked the middle of the field more than uh, I think he's accustomed to. He stared down receivers, and those other interceptions were probably on Joe Burrow. But he got sacked seven times, and the whole offseason story about them was like, hey, we're going to fix the offensive line and watch how good we be. No. Houday still can't protect Joe Burrow, and that's going to be a problem. Also, the Steelers really wanted to lose and somehow managed to win. Yeah, but his pressure, yeah. his pressure rate was still pretty low. He was like pressured on, I think, 14% of snaps, which to me says, yeah, line is doing work, but the line's doing work and eating after they get set up by the secondary. I don't think he was looking at a lot of open receivers. Right. I don't think the game plan targeting the middle of the field, which clearly they were doing at certain points, was the move because a couple of those, one's off a tip, and one's making Fitzpatrick. Let's salute the fine, hard, union-working DBs of this nation, okay, and of the NFL, because you're gonna get yours. Minka Fitzpatrick was amazing. Like he yeah. ate on one play, just got it. Like you're gonna get got. I love this about the NFL. I spent Saturday watching games where a future CPA is in charge of defending a future NFL tight end. <laughs> that happens, and that's fine. There's a glory to it. Yeah. There's a special patina to the college game in that respect but in the nfl when you see joe burrow have four interceptions you know what i think that's gonna happen because he is the best quarterback i've ever seen in college and when he goes to the nfl he's just as mortal as everyone else yeah i was shocked by the pressure rate number that you gave out because it sure as hell seemed like he was under pressure a lot more than that and the seven sacks i watched all the sacks i watched all the passing plays that they had from that game and at no point did i feel like joe burrow was safe like those sacks were not Joe Burrow holding on to the ball too long, in my view. And we can look back at the time to throw on all of those. He was getting pressured in his face and some of those interceptions too. TJ Watt is getting loose. So I don't know what it feels like to be in the pocket and also carry with it the baggage of having been in that pocket last year and also having your season end the year before, because again, that pocket got holes in it. Like, I don't I, I'm willing to put some responsibility on Joe Burrow for this poor game, but it's going to take a few more weeks before I do that. Until then, I'm blaming the O-line. I'm sorry. No, I mean, look, Joe Burrow, this is a stat that I am proud to beat Alabaster to, but apparently the 12 combined turnovers plus sacks that he took, it's the most in a season opener since like 1998, right? So as a debut goes, this is why Joe Burrow reportedly spent his evening at his locker staring straight ahead for an uncomfortable amount of time. Like reported to come in, he's still staring. He's just not saying anything. And it's like, guys, you probably should do the thing where you stop him from feeling like he just has no hope and is just staring into the middle distance. No, see, this is where you and I, Pablo, we go in our different directions. Don't walk over to Joe Burrow and say, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. We'll no. get better. Do no. not do the lying thing. He knows. Say my bad from a distance. Okay. but My bad, but bro. Hang in there. Yeah. I love bad. you. Yes. Love you. Don't I'll get too over, close. I'll be over here. <laughs> Holla at me if you need me <laughs> and then slide that man a drink when we get on the plane. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess they're not getting on the plane. They were home. Just, so the just, bus. Just imagine oh, no just a either. sad, a sad cigar being thrown at his feet. <laughs> Does this make you feel better? Do you want, want one of these? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, it, you said he set a record. That just reminds me of last year in his playoff debut. There was another record set for most sacks in a playoff game that they won. Like this, okay. Joe Burrow's not perfect, but y'all gonna have to clean up around him before I'm going. Before I'm willing to blame him for anything. And at the same time, Jamar Chase, dude's unbelievable. Well, he's we got, he's we still got, great. We need a Spencer. We need to talk about. I mean, we we bury the lead. I I fear because there is the world that we almost lived in, <laughs> so close to living in, where Joe Burrow's bad day is actually Joe Burrow's heroic, yeah, unbelievable, idolizing day minka like, wasn't having it though no no minka minka again minka is gonna eat okay Minka's is gonna get you one he got pick six in this one by the way and it's really hard to overcome a pick six it really is like yeah. if a team gets that like 
Uh, I watched Florida this weekend. The minute a pick six happens, you go, yeah, we're probably done here. Yeah. Probably. Because it's an error, but it's a critical error. Everyone throws interceptions. You just don't want it to go for points the other way. The other story here, by the way, in the near heroism of the moment, Joe Burrow threw it 53 times in a 23-20 game. <laughs> and the Bengals only ran it 34 times. Six of those were Joe Burrow carries. So there might be the question of, I know – I, I'm loath to say run the ball because that's easily like the first Cro-Magnon football fans thing. You need to run the ball more. Let me go ahead and say the Bengals might want to run the ball a little bit more. I believe Joe Mixon was dinged up in the game. That's why you have other running backs, okay? Run even just to keep the defense honest, especially when that defense is the Steelers. Exactly. I would love to be the nerd against your Cro-Magnon uh, analysis, but you're right. Part of the reason, if you have an offensive line that has a history of giving up pressure, maybe you don't want to drop back so much. If maybe you don't get a big gain every time you run the ball, two or three yards, but it's not a sack. And it's also not taxing your offensive linemen because they much rather go forward than go backwards. Offensive linemen hate passing plays. <laughs> they love to run the ball. They love play action. Just straight kick back in front of a D-line that can pressure. That was one of the best in the league last year as far as pressure rates concerned. That is not fair to them. So I'm with you. And Zach Taylor, before last year, there was a he was on the hot seat. Like, was he the right choice? Then Joe Burrow went on and the Bengals went on a crazy Super Bowl run. Now, all of a sudden, we think he's a good coach. Oh, no. Might have just got hot. I, I, it's never a bad idea to keep them honest. Never. Even if it goes for even if it goes for very minimal yardage, it's never a bad idea to at least show the defense on any play. We'll do this on any play. We'll run. So who do you blame as for why overtime and why the end of the game was so unbelievably messy? Like the idea that it was so fun. I mean, I, I should also reveal here. Like I, I picked, the Bengals to beat the Steelers in a suicide pool. Oof. And so goodbye. So <laughs> um, thanks to Evan McPherson or that long snapper, I guess, who was injured earlier in the game. But like this felt this, I could not enjoy any of this. I'm curious as to your dispassionate analysis as to why it is that it got to be the way it was. I was texting my friends um, as soon as player, as soon as the um, overtime started, um, the first text I sent, was the Steelers should have chose to kick off. And then the second text I sent was the Steelers should play for the tie because it just felt <laughs> like everything that they were doing offensively was just like inept. And they were trying to give the game away. And the defense yes. just kept fighting back. They had to have two red zone stands. They asked for at the end of the game before we even mm -hmm. got to overtime. It just seems so unfair with that offense. The Mitchell Trubisky led offense was asking of that defense and they managed to answer every time and block the field goal. The long snapper is surprisingly important. Like that's, this is a very Bill Belichick thing. If you ask Bill Belichick a question like, Hey, how's the team feeling? You're going to get three words. If you ask him about something that happened in the game that doesn't have a technical note attached to it, he's going to be like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. They'll get over it. We're on to next week. If you ask him about the technicalities, difficulties, and history of the long snapper, you're going to get <laughs> a 2,300-word dissertation about how important the long snapper oh, is, okay? Gosh. And the long snapper is a highly technical position, and it, it's a rare injury. It doesn't happen very often. But when it does, it messes up a big part of your game that's especially critical toward the end. Yeah. So uh, don't don't underestimate how much that throws off the timing of every unit that uses the long snapper, right? Your special teams are just not going to be the same. Right. Quick test of the importance of the long snapper. Oh, no, don't Dominique, do it. Don't Dominique, do it. Dominique, this is not fair. Dominique, I thought we were friends. Dominique, no. Dominique, Pablo. name three long snappers that you played with. Oh, um, John Condo. Ooh. Uh, uh, John Condo, he played in the NFL also. Um, he, he was college long snapper who I didn't play with in the NFL. Um, Leach was our long snapper in Denver, and <laughs> the other guy. So I'm giving you one and a half. Oh, no, no, no. I, I can see the face of the of the Ravens guy. His last name, Matt's first name, last name started with a K. So he gets like 75% credit. Yeah, that's I give you all no, credit. Whoa, Pablo, how small are you? Oh, Jeez, wait. lean back on that chair again. Apparently, that is an enormous chair. Uh, it's, apparently, I am as small as these long snappers are in your memory. <laughs>
<laughs> Whoa. How did that chair get so big? Wow. What that is enormous. Bond, what kind of Bond villain chair is that? <laughs> that is incredible. So I'm being told to keep it moving, and apparently that does not mean spin my chair around. So Alabaster, oh, are you satisfied? Can we move on to the next thing? That was wonderful. Of course, I remember that Ravens long snapper, Matt Kachula. That's what I said. Matt K. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Okay. Let's move on, guys. Very uh, important position. There were some teams that we expected to be good this year who were not good today. And I don't want to do the overreaction, but I want to ask you guys, who should be more concerned by their performance, the Packers or the 49ers? Oh, man. This is how we backdoor our way into your guys' whole Chicago Bears thing, huh? This is how we get here? Nope. That's not how we get there. I would be this more concerned with the Packers because <laughs> the 49ers – I mean, no, no. In all seriousness, the 49ers played in a swamp, not in Florida, a literal swamp. The field was flooded. <laughs> the lines were crooked. I mean, you could explain that away. And their um, their quarterback is young in his first start. It was a mess. We can explain that away for now. We'll see going forward. There's no excuse. I mean, the Packers never lose in their division. They were playing in the Dome, a Dome that they go to every year. I, there's really no excuse for them how poorly they play. The only excuse or explanation you can have is they start slow because they got blown out last year at the beginning of the season. Maybe yeah. that gives them some hope. So, yeah, I think that's the right answer. Let's not discuss any more about the <laughs> Chicago Bears. <laughs> that was a, that's a really, really good block of any Bears discussion, and I appreciate I it. I, I would also say that any time that you're allowing uh, about seven miles of receiving to one guy – it would be very, very weird to not look at your secondary as an issue first and as your pass rush in terms of being able to disrupt the opposing offense before we even start to look askance at Aaron Rodgers, which the Packers have started slow before and ended up having fine seasons. That's fine. A defense, I don't know. Like, like yeah. th that feels like one of those things where if you ain't got it, it's not going to get a whole lot better with the personnel you've got. That, that to me, like the 49ers too, Trey Lance, you know, he's going to come along. He's going to have some terrible, terrible games, but he's going to improve over this. Like, I can see this. You could do this with the 49ers. The Packers, you're starting here, and I don't see a whole lot up with what you got. So you referenced before, and by the way, I'm absolutely going to return to hammering both uh, Alabaster and Dominique on their Bears take. But before we get there, you mentioned you alluded to Justin Jefferson, who had a bazillion yards in the first half and a bazillion uh, fantasy points overall today. The mm -hmm. idea, I mean, look, th there's this whole side conversation about LSU and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson being on the same team with Joe Burrow, which is, you know, we can have that conversation. But in terms of just what they have in the NFL with Justin Jefferson, like what, what is he? Like how much of this game is actually transferable to all of it? understanding? Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Like yeah, I, this, I, it felt to me like I, I should, we should give a lot of credit to the Vikings defense, but this just felt like Justin Jefferson game. He was managed to be wide open all the time. It's you can't come into a game with knowing who you got to stop and then have him running butt naked through the secondary on just about every play, just everything out, just showing it all just naked. And it was uncomfortable as uncomfortable as it sounds. It was even more uncomfortable to watch as a DB. Like, don't y'all know he's out there and I don't blame it on any one guy. Like let's talk to the coach. We need to have two, three guys on this fella especially after the first half and we, he was still getting open in the second half. It just seemed unbelievable for this team as talented as they are on the defense to not have any answers for Justin Jefferson. Well, I just see excellent quarterbacking by Kirk cousins there, right? <laughs> like Justin Jefferson really owes a thanks and a huge yeah. debt of gratitude to Kirk cousins for throwing exactly. perfect passes when he runs sloppy routes, right? Made better by the veteran savvy of Captain Kirk <laughs> oh, Cousins. Can we, can we talk about, though, how much happier Kirk Cousins must be this season? Last season, he was getting yelled at by Mike Zimmer or getting pushed around mutually by his head coach. And now Kevin O'Connell comes along, by all accounts, friendlier, calmer, younger, not trying to yell at you as much. And he has seemingly a cogent offensive plan. Like the idea that here's an offensive coach to replace your 
mean old defensive coach. And by the way, here is the greatest young receiver in the league. Things are pretty damn good for that dude. I get the feeling that after Kirk Cousins got franchised twice by Washington and became a true free agent and got a fully guaranteed contract, I get the feeling that Kirk Cousins don't give a damn what nobody in the front office says. Like, I, <laughs> it, it takes a second for quarterbacks to realize they don't love you. But I think Kirk Cousins learned very early on when uh, the way that Washington treated him, that they don't love you. So he doesn't give, I don't think he feels any different. The only thing that I imagine bothers him is like last year when Justin Jefferson would throw his arms up when he could not, uh, when Kirk Cousins couldn't get the ball to him. This year, he's corrected for that. Throw it to JJ. Throw it to JJ. I think that should be the name of all their plays. Just throw it to JJ. Yeah, this is again, uh, what is Kirk Cousins worried about? Nothing. He's going to go home, grill some unseasoned steaks on his barbecue which I've seen just fire up that grill, cook the blandest meat in the world and just have a fine old Minnesota <laughs> evening after oh, this, man. Gosh. So Life's good. Speaking of poorly prepared takes. Oh, are you here to Alabaster? Are you here to finally acknowledge the elephant in this room? Oh my God. I am. Uh, I'm going to give a lot more wrong takes over the course of this NFL season. That's, that's for sure. But the thing I, I, I have a follow-up question for you guys, which is, you guys all seem to think that the, the Packers should be more concerned than the 49ers. And I don't know why, because I have more faith in Aaron Rodgers turning it around than Trey Lance right now. Cause we have like, have no history of seeing him ever play good football yet. And we're just assuming he will cause he's with Kyle Shanahan. Well, this is, this is, this is where I am honestly with Trey Lance, right? Like the weather, I'm curious how much of the weather, right? The monsoon serves as a reasonable excuse for why it is that now we have a game where Trey Lance looks like a guy who requires Jimmy Garoppolo as his backup. Cause that's what I took away from this. Like, Oh, I, I, I get it. If this is how this is going to feel, I get why they did not want to leave him out there without a serviceable guy who might need to step in at some point. Yeah. I think that that's a fair point. Alabaster. Um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be bad all year, but I think the big question coming into the season or the big expectation for the Packers in the season was their offense would take a step back but their defense would take a step forward and their defense would be something that could be relied on to get just eviscerated in this first week by uh like to be fair a talented offense but they had no hope in to have Aaron Rodgers seemingly have no answers on the other side to keep them in the game was concerning. But yeah, I guess if you asked me to bet some money on somebody, that would be a different question, I guess. Maybe I would feel more comfortable going with um, the shroom head than going with uh, Trey Lance. I don't Ayahuasca know. Ayahuasca head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ayahuasca. Yes, it's, a, it's a for enlightenment. Yeah, uh, where you vomit for enlightenment. Yeah, that's the one. And speaking of deep, deeply enlightened, all right, Kyle Shanahan, in response to not facing any blitz, you saw that, that stat that uh, Alabaster just put up saying that they didn't blitz him, right? Ooh, that means Kyle Shanahan, he's going to have to be forced to call runs. He'll have to run into a box where they're not blitzing. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't let Kyle Shanahan, who loves running and oh loves gosh, calling up plays, don't let him do that. Yeah. Like, because then guess what you get later on in the season? Oh, I get like wide open over routes on play action passes across the field. Oh no, don't make me do that. I like, I just think it is interesting to me. And I think there is a due note of skepticism that we need to add here to say, we get to see Shanahan take a quarterback from the jump, from step one and raise him up and see if he can turn him into his avatar on the field, right? My, my, my little brain puppet that I control. I think Trey Lance will be more than that. And I think he can be really good. But that's the fascinating note of skepticism I want to add is I want to see Shanahan be able to do that, right? And by the way, not facing blitzes and running into those counts, that's a fine start for them. I know this is, I think this game is an aberration, particularly because of the conditions that let the Bears do their nifty little belly slide thing that everyone in Chicago is going to be like, ah, I'm so excited. And in November, they'll all be miserable again and eating their hot dogs. Don't ruin it. On it. Wait, <laughs> Don't can, ruin can, it, can, can, Let them have their Super Bowl. Let them have their Super Bowl. And, 
and that Super Bowl, to be very <laughs> clear, is, is is the second half. It's not the first half. The first half, yeah. Justin Fields looked like the uh, rescue animal that Dominique had <laughs> argued that he is. Yeah. He should be saved. Custody should be uh, taken from the Bears. And, and then the he, second half, what would he look like, Dominique? He, 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 res- like? he rescued them. Like, it didn't feel like... The thing about this whole conversation... <laughs> A true rescue animal dynamic. <laughs> yeah. They saved <laughs> <laughs> the the funny thing again i would like bears fans to have their super bowl and enjoy it so i'll whisper this to you guys don't tell them i said this but this does not make my take wrong this makes my take mo writer if you watch the game you saw that they did not help justin fields in the slightest in the second half justin fields was spinning around making magic things happen and they managed to win a game in terrible conditions. So I am not wrong just because y'all won a game that no one expected you to win. Shh, don't tell them that, Pablo. Let them enjoy their Super Bowl. There, right, I spun my chair into my microphone. Um, no, less, like less, less capable than Justin Fields. <laughs> um, Alabaster, are you ready to apologize or are you just going to piggyback off of Dominique's take again? No, uh, have fun being one in 16, Bears fans. <laughs> Start with the one, though. Eat your cake uh, first. Uh, you don't know if the main horse is going to make it. Uh, eat your cake first. I like it. The rest of this is going to be I mush. like how you guys are just like, you're like ordering a chandelier to put inside of the hole you're in. This is great. <laughs> no, the thing is, it. were you not listening? We're not in a hole. At no point that I, I said, I hope that they get blown out. But at no point that I say they're not going to win any games this year. I said that Justin Fields is in a bad situation and he should demand to get out of it because they are going to ruin his career. What about that game, Pablo? Made you feel any different? He seems alone. And maybe even Flus is going to figure some things out. And uh, Ryan Poles will have the best offseason in history next mm-hmm. year. Maybe. Win the draft. Maybe. Maybe. But probably not. I, I just have to wait long enough Eric- until I'm right. Every single is. year. How do you live in a city with a winner like this and not realize you are the French going into Russia? Like, <laughs> hey, this is easy. There's nobody out here. We can just ride our horses for miles. Yeah. Once once <laughs> rain <laughs> becomes once oh. rain becomes scientifically impossible, yeah, oh, it'll gosh. all be a very different. Every year. Every yeah, I mean, follow Napoleon into Russia every year. That's a problem when rain is your MVP. It's going to be hard to sustain no. success <laughs> when you're like, who played best for us? God, Mother Nature. She our did our field, thing. Our field that didn't drain. Yeah. That's our MVP. Like, we didn't put the tarp out because we knew. <laughs> Just rod dog in earth. Uh, Ready to go, Browns. Okay, crew. let's move on. Um, guys, let's talk about the, the Dolphins and the Patriots game for a little bit. After that win over the Patriots, do you expect to see Tua continue to play well in Mike McDaniel's offense? How do we think Tua looked today? I think we should answer that before we talk about whether he's going to be as good as we thought he was. Because Mike McDaniel is like, by the way, Kyle Shanahan's human binky also. He's not running his team. He goes and beats Bill Belichick, leading this team to his first career win. But Tua, you know, how do you guys think he looked? I'm actually curious, having seen some of him today. I thought he looked impressive, and I thought Mike McDaniels did a fantastic job calling pass plays on early downs, um, ensuring that he would see man coverage and simpler coverages. Taking advantage of that, those matchups, you can't man cover either of those receivers just with just about anybody, and the Patriots' secondary was weak. So then they started to mix it up with some kind of interesting zones and some trickier-looking coverages, and it seemed to us seemed sharp. He seemed prepared for all of it. He made quick decisions. He did get sacked three times. So I wouldn't say the offensive line and those were not like him holding onto the ball too long. I wouldn't say the offensive line is solved necessarily, but more importantly, Tua seemed sharp. He seemed accurate. He seemed to be able to anticipate the throws in ways that you would need to, to be an effective QB. So if I'm a, a Dolphins fan, the defense played well, I'd be really encouraged about um, the prospects for the season. Hmm. Yeah. This to, just to draw a parallel with his former team. If you have a dude on the perimeter who can absolutely torch a corner and take the top off the defense. <laughs> That's what I'm else, getting at. Yeah. Everything else just becomes a little bit easier, particularly for a quarterback who does not have a rocket arm, but can get consistently good placement 
and has a really sharp analytical mind when it comes to seeing what's out there. This is, again, we are talking about Kyle Shanahan, like, oh, don't make me do that. Don't make me do that. Don't make me scheme around a dude who can run a, a three eight, right? Don't make me, oh, what a shame. That'll mean everyone else faces man, right? Oh, you play a zone. I'm, so, I'm a smart enough coach to be like, cool, we'll just run. We'll just run into it. That's fine. Um, and by the way, they didn't run that effectively, but they stuck with it, right? And they also did this. They kept a pretty deliberate pace. Pace is important, I think. Um, and when you're talking about playing in the heat, like they just did everything a little bit smarter, I right. think, than the Patriots did at this point in the season. By the way, I looked up who the Patriots offensive coordinator was because I knew I was going to be talking about the NFL. Oh, um, yeah. And- we got an answer today, right? We got an answer. Yeah, they, I got like a good eight minutes of laughter out of that, at least. Because I don't the fact the, that the fact that the actual play caller has been named and it is in fact who is it, Spencer? Uh, is it Joe Judge? I believe yeah, is that who we have? Uh, it's oh, one of those wait, fools. Wait, wait, is it Matt Patricia Alabaster? I thought we. It's, I thought it's we Matt made, Patricia. You guys are just rocket scientists. You guys are just oh, even better. Even you guys better. are just as confused as the Patriots offense looks. So that Correct. was well done. No, I, we finally got a leak we today are the that the play staff. caller is, is, yeah. is, is, is Patricia out of this yeah weird succession uh, arguing, uh, competing for the favor of my father dynamic that the Patriots set up with, uh, with Bill Belichick. Yeah, and as part of Beard Gang, I really do want to root for Matt Patricia's success in all things, of course. But uh, given a number of things about him, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if Matt Patricia had a Tyreek Hill, if he had a Jalen Waddle, I mean, the thing where Tyreek Hill just goes and grabs the ball, right, and mosses somebody, uh, which I'd not think was really in the repertoire of somebody. Yeah, it's like 5'9". Yeah, like, <laughs> yes. When I saw him do that, I was like, it's not fair. You can't do that, too. You can't, yeah. like, win 50-50 jump balls. That was one of the worst passes that um that two or through all day it was like ah, i'll throw it over there to tyreek hill i can trust him and you know what yeah seems like you can at least at least inside the white lines you can i don't know what he was talking about nuts and wheelbarrows oh, and all I that other that. stuff oh you know i love that one now yeah okay yeah now the we... fourth and seven called to jalen waddle mike mcdaniel schemes it up before the half against belichick touchdown and after the game tyreek hill says yeah you're gonna need a wheelbarrow to wheel around mike mcdaniel's nuts from now on <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a medical that's not yeah. cool that's a medical condition yeah that's elephant titus yeah it's not good you should actually yeah. get that he out. said it with the macho man shades on and everything he was giving Ooh. us a whole lot what you got alabaster well i got a little bit of pushback would you have jalen waddle and tyree kill shouldn't that offense look like a little bit more explosive than they look today like tyree kill was awesome but he also sort of put up a jarvis landry stat line of eight for 96 like don't don't we expect a little bit what more shade. when you're like the two fastest guys in the league? Um, I think you have Jefferson poisoning right now. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. he caught eight balls and had an absolutely outstanding day for a winning team. Dub. Yeah. Yeah. Dub. He's gonna have now, by the way, he's gonna have those nuclear games. He's gonna have those games where he just goes supernova. That's gonna happen, right? But you know, particularly against uh, a Patriots defense, which I know was throwing the book at him, right? That's good. That's good. If they know you're the problem and you still get eight catches and what, 93 yards and you still make an impact on the game. Good job. Yeah. Somebody's going to miss a tackle. You just need one. They didn't miss very many for the Patriots and that's fine. But sooner or later, they're going to play a team. They're going to miss one tackle and that's six points. So it's a fair point, Alabaster, to bring up. They did not have a nuclear game, but that almost makes me feel a little bit more comfortable, comfortable and confident because the question on this team was not, can Tyreek Hill have a nuclear game? It's can Tua get him the ball consistently? And he, the answer to that is yes. As long as Tua continue to get him the ball consistently, they'll have one of those games where there are two missed tackles and those two missed tackles turn to 40 plus yards after catch. So maybe he didn't hit him on the deep shot where it's like 60 air yards, which maybe Tua will never do, but they'll have those big games because no one will be perfect playing against them. And meanwhile, like, uh, I guess prayer is up for Mac Jones, who's back, prevented him from giving any quotes resembling wheelbarrows and giant nuts. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know. It's a tough situation yeah, but, over there. Yeah. Also, I'd, I'd really like to hear Mac Jones give that exact promo, please. 
bring that to the world. I need to see it. I mean, I think Mac Jones got a little overhyped also. Maybe I'm getting down on him too quickly, but he got a little overhyped based on last season because a lot of the rookie quarterbacks underperformed and they won and made the playoffs. That's the word. And they you took won. a lot of, yeah. But they weren't putting a lot of pressure on him. And now they're in a situation where he's going to need to pick up a little bit more slack and they don't have anybody to take the pressure off him. The offensive line is not as good as it was. They're switching to a zone blocking team, which they're not accustomed to. They don't have, uh, they have a bunch of money tied up in receivers and tight ends, but they don't have a true number one. And they have two defensive coaches serving as offensive coordinators. It's a lot of pressure on Mac Jones right now. And he ain't that dude. I just realized there's no actual way that we know who's calling plays for the Patriots. I'm just going to say it like the chances are it might be three dudes we haven't heard of. We might be actually channeling the spirit of Bill Walsh from beyond the grave through a medium. Like nice. And, uh, the offense, offense would be a lot better if Bill Walsh was running it, I have to say. Well, you know, guys, it's a, yeah, it's a translation thing. <laughs> we got a follow up. I have a follow up question on this. It's for our Corona fine life, because I want to talk about a tiny Ooh. bit of, Tiger Kill's former quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, who is our fine life recipient presented by Corona. Patrick Mahomes is living the fine life because you took the most explosive receiver in the NFL off of his team, and he still cooked today. He looked incredible. He threw five touchdown passes. And I think there's an interesting follow-up discussion about Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes of who do you think looks better in the breakup right now, Tyreek Hill or the Chiefs? Hmm. <laughs> I didn't see if Patrick Mahomes wore, uh, yeah, professional I mean, wrestler glasses. So yeah. hard for me to say. <laughs> but I will point out, like, I imagine Patrick Mahomes, and this is about more than Tyreek, right? It's about Patrick Mahomes listening to everybody talk about, to make just truly erotic noises about Josh 30 Allen. 39. And mm-hmm. then to show up 30 for 39, 60. 365 touchdowns, zero picks, just a real casual, oh, by the way, let me just destroy the Arizona Cardinals right now. Who were a good defense last year? They were a good defense last year. Apparently. They are. I don't know if they're a good defense or not this year, but they didn't look like it today. It's hard to tell, given yes, who they're facing. Like, that's the confounding factor. You go, well, are they good? You go, well, they were facing the Chiefs, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, by the way, it, it, like who looks better? Breakups are hard. Sometimes people come out of them for the better on both sides, right? Like they may not be on speaking terms. It may not be friendly, but it might end up being better for both of them. You know, like it, it, the deal is if you've got Andy Reid, I know it's nice to have Tyreek Hill. Um, right now, Andy Reid's probably watching film of like the 1981 Houston Cougars <laughs> to like get some sort of obscure passing concept. They only ran twice into the game plan next week. He's going to make it work, right? He'll get a bunch of dudes with hyphens in their names, right? You'll get a Smith-Schuster, a Valdez-Scantling, right? Or you'll mm. get an Edwards-Alaire, and you'll get production out of these dudes. So I, I don't – like, better? Um, Mahomes is always going to look better because his stylist is better. His yeah. stylist is always going to be better. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's um, I was thinking of the divorce analogy, and it was like, who gets the kids – and it seems that Patrick got the kids, but I don't know if that works because if you get the kids in a divorce, I don't know if you ever really look better. I think if you go without the kids at a divorce, then you got time to work out and, and go shopping or whatever. So this analogy really fell apart. The bottom line is this analogy is getting a little too real, actually. I think it's not falling yeah. apart. We're just actually thinking real? about it too practically. Too real for who? You know something I don't know? Did it actually tell you a secret? It's not too real for me, Pablo. You got something to say? <laughs> I'm saying, who's, who's Travis Kelsey in this in this dynamic? Is Declan uh, Travis Kelsey? Is that oh, what you're saying? Man, Tra- oh, Travis Kelsey is the dude who's like, yeah, I'll hang out, bro, anytime. Just call 2 a.m. Yeah, play some Madden. <laughs> yeah, 130 yards, touchdown. Yeah, whenever you want, bro. Kelsey is- bros are like, we will help you move your couch. We got you, bro. We love you. We, come here, come here. It's going to be hard. Uh, they're both matchup problems. I will let you know that, too. Both Travis Kelsey and my son. We don't got nobody in this house that can match up with him. Just like we got nobody that can match up with Travis Kelsey. You just got to hope that you contain them. They don't have a big day every now and then because he's going to have a big day whenever he wants to. Um, Patrick Mahomes is good, guys. So He's very good. Fine life, Corona. You're welcome. Patrick Mahomes is good. His life is so fine. I don't know any life finer 
than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote him. I'm gonna vote the guy who controls his own destiny, not the guy who relies on somebody who has an online cult around him designed to boost his confidence. But continue. Uh, get him to a non. All right, let's All do right. some college football. Moving on to college football with a few. What are the chances? First one I've got for you guys. Texas lost, but what are the chances? Texas is back. <laughs> what is back? What does back require if we're going to get real philosophical with these questions? Because ten wins, ten wins, ten wins. That's oh, what I was going to say. Could it be a synonym? It's just a synonym for but. In which case, Texas is back has been true for a while. Um, ten wins. Been, Dominique is looking at me like I am a madman. That's what it would require for me to officially say that Texas is back. Well, then it's easy. It's easy answer then. Yeah, Texas is spoiled. They went through a period where Mac Brown, for all the things that people enjoy making fun of Mac Brown for, kept him at ten wins for like the better part of a decade. All right. Oh, but they didn't win the Big Twelve enough. Oh, they kept getting hammered by Oklahoma. Ten wins. Y'all got fat. Y'all got happy. And then in the desert is what you went through okay so this is a positive sign okay the chances that texas are back are at 51 percent exactly 51 percent because and, and i will say this the big problem that texas has had is competing along the lines they've had a problem getting beef up front ironically enough for a team named the longhorns they haven't had the ability to push people around they did that with alabama you're not looking at the same alabama offensive lines that you had five six seven years ago but they're still four and five stars. They're outstanding. And Texas was boning up and going head to head with them. It is not a coincidence that this was a 20, 20 to 19 game, a low scoring affair that I don't think anybody saw coming because in part, Sarkeesian had a great game plan even after they lost Quinn Ewers to injury and really did everything. People were like, well, did Will Anderson show up in the game? He's like, yeah, he was under that pile of people. He was under like three dudes on every play because the entire game plan was not him, right? If he's over there, we go here, right? If he's over there, we go here. Uh, everything was misdirection screens designed to keep it away from the best defensive player in college football. But the other thing that makes you say, um, yeah, they're back. They just look composed. They look composed and they looked, they looked able to compete position for position with an Alabama team that, yeah, diminished, I think, from Alabama's peak but still an excellent football team and in it till the end with their backup quarterback. So 51% is 51% chance that they're back. I'm going a glowing 8%, 8% because I care about Alabaster and also because I do not believe in Texas though. I like Sarkeesian. I hope he has success, but are they back this year? If the bar is 10 wins, then the answer is clearly no. And I think I saw Notre Dame on the menu coming up and yeah, we thought Notre Dame had this nice moral victory and then saw what happened to them. Uh, so let's not get too excited ooh. about people showing up on week one. Week one, there are, let's remember, there are no preseason games in college football. So they are still getting things um, sorted out out there. And sometimes you get a little bit of a weird result. I think the, the points you made about Texas are important. The composure, number one, seems important because as a member of the Maryland Terrapin Alumni Club, we've knocked off Texas a couple of times. We don't have the talent that Texas has. We never have. And we've beaten them a couple of times because early in the season, they are not composed. So that is a huge step. That's not a 10 win step. That might be an eight win step. Maybe they're moving in the right direction, but let's wait a couple of weeks before we declare them back. Yeah. For that reason, I'm going 2%. Oh, Ooh, how no, no, yes. no, 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 I don't have to respect your authority. Uh, oh, that's what he was upset about. People were doing upside down hook him. Uh, that's what he was upset about. I yeah. saw he used a bad word, Nikki. We don't use those words around here. He used a very bad word. Also, by the way, that's a felony in Texas. So don't cross the line. Their little feefees get all hurt over that. If you oh, their, little, their little cow and they just start to gradually, oh no. Like, yeah. Oh, Emotional my gosh. People. Emotional. I almost asked a really stupid question and then I caught myself. Okay, moving on. I was going to ask. Was it that, a Ted um, Cruz watching the game? No. Glad, glad oh, you caught yourself ask anyway. Yeah, I'm going to ask anyway. Um, I was going to ask, is that true? And then I realized you said felony. And yeah, you can't really be true. So never mind. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't test it. Yeah, wouldn't try it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the penal code needs to be all of that uh, spelled out for something to be something. But anyway, Alabaster, let's move oh, on. Uh, next topic. What are the chances Notre Dame is 
not back. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Spencer, Spencer, you want to take us yeah, through the how, the, how the Notre Dame Wait, exactly. life cycle? And if your answer could also just describe how much you enjoyed this loss to Marshall, please. Oh, immensely, immensely. Ah, oh, just rich. Like a little behind the ear, a little on the wrist, walk around the house with it. Just, just like the gif of the rock, right? Like, oh gosh, that was me. That was me. I hate Notre Dame and I'll always hate Notre Dame, but I can judge them fairly. And I can say this, all of the nice things where you go, hey, it's week one. It's week two. They look bad. This is a first year coach. He's coaching like a defensive coach and he's going to have to adjust to coaching like a head coach who actually actually has to consider things like how the offense is going to perform. But given how the offense is performing at every chance where Notre Dame had an opportunity to get back in that game, they put themselves right back in the hole every time. Every time you threw them a lifeline, they just tied it around something sensitive and jumped like that is everything that you need to know about this game. Notre Dame is not back. The recruiting class is going to be good. They're going to continue to get talent. They will have to do something about that offense. But uh, chances they are not back 100% for this year. Expiration date of this take will happen uh, 364 days from now. <laughs> what is so you that was you think that they will be back at some point? Because I don't know. I guess I've started to believe some of the hype that the um, restrictions around Notre Dame's recruiting make it so challenging that getting all the way back is something that can't happen. That's just BS that Brian Kelly sold to us so he could move down to LSU and get some cheap crawdads. Well, <laughs> what you have to consider is that, 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 first of all, Brian Kelly and his family left, but they left <laughs> Notre Dame in a much better position than they were when he came in. Like all credit where credit is due in that respect. Don't have to like Brian Kelly, and, and not a whole lot of people do because he's kind of an abrasive guy, but he did leave them in a much better position. Back for Notre Dame is entirely subjective because under Brian Kelly, they would, yes, win 9, 10, sometimes 11 games. They would make the postseason. They would cash very large television checks, and this more than anything right. else seems to be the business model of not just Notre Dame, but a lot of conferences and programs, as long as the money's okay, 10 wins and a disappointment in the postseason is just fine for everyone concerned. However, back also has to mean for Marcus Freeman something different, and that's the curse that he's facing, which is you have to get over the hump. It's getting to nine or 10 games is hard, but one thing Dan Mullen said about Florida, and I think this was uh, somewhat ruefully, getting from 10 to 11, that is steep. That is nigh impossible for a lot of programs. And in order for that to happen, Notre Dame's going to have to get a skilled player. There was a great discussion on Split Zone Duo today, which is a podcast with uh, some of my former colleagues, Stephen Godfrey, Richard Johnson, Alex Kirshner. And they said that when was the last time you remember a bona fide skilled player coming through the doors at Notre Dame? They said it looked like everybody was a tight end, which I kind of agree, which kind of sounds like prime Stanford, which is a business model where you just have a yeah. bunch of dudes and you just say, hey, we've got the best four-star athletes we've got. That can get you very, very far. Getting people who are going to scare people like Golden Tate did, right, when they yeah. come in the door, that to me is that that jump that Marcus Freeman's going to have to make, and he's going to have to make it on an offensive level. I just think it's a little bit easier at the college level to start and say, hey, listen, we're going to score a lot of points, and I will cinch up the defense afterwards. Getting defensive talent, particularly large defensive tackles, those big hosses, they're a lot rarer, and that, that space is a lot more crowded recruiting-wise. Man, I'm glad you went Golden Tate. I was going to go straight to Tim Brown, which would have been very self-thing. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, I mean, I'll, that, I'll go. I'll, I'll follow Spencer and say 100% not back also. And I'm, like, concerned about Marcus Freeman's future because, like, if the expectation is to improve upon Brian Kelly, yeah, that's it's going to be really difficult for him to get that done. <laughs> no. I, I fully agree that Marcus Freeman has a setup with a very low bar that he had to clear. And low bar? Oh, well, here's okay. No, that's a fair pushback. I would say that it's a bar that is very low in terms of um, people wanting to like him. Everybody wanted mm -mm. to like Marcus. Mm -mm. Yeah. See, this is where we disagree. I think you're right about the public and about Twitter. But right, the people Brian Kelly being so unpopular. No, 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 no. Yeah. But they don't make no damn decisions. 
The people yeah. who make decisions ran Tyrone Willingham out of there in no time flat. Marcus Freeman is in a very impossible situation because one, he has to be better than according to Spencer. He's going to have to get over that Brian Kelly hump. And two, he's black. I guess that's we can we can sugarcoat it if we want to, but it's part of the reason why the skill player deficit is what it is in South Bend is also the reason why Marcus Friedman is going to be evaluated slightly differently than anybody else will, will be in South Bend, Indiana. So I was about yeah. to say that he's half Korean, but I don't even know if I want to claim him. <laughs> well, the the thing is, the you thing is, the thing is, uh, that don't help either. That's not going to get you. <laughs> nobody is going to help you. It's like it's going to be a different grading system for him. No, but, but 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 the point, but the point, the larger point, yes. And I, I will make it a clean sweep of one hundred percent. I have no clever answer outside of the fact that it's going to be real hard, man. Brian Kelly, as much as he is unpopular won a lot of goddamn games and yeah. losing to Marshall is a real, that, again, another guy in a hole that yeah, you might have to start decorating. It's just like, hey. such a, it's such a, sorry, go ahead, Spencer. I was going to say it, it, one of the like shouts out to Charles Huff. All right. Who is a black head coach at Marshall and who won a huge game for that program, right? Marshall, not dissimilar to Notre Dame in the sense that sometimes they have to play a unique lane, right? They have to sort of their scheduling and like, they have to play sort of a unique, type of football and recruit a different kind of player in Huntington. All right. They face different mm -hmm. challenges than Notre Dame. Right. When you talk about what Marcus Freeman has though, there are a couple of real, you know, let's boil it down to simple things. Notre Dame turned the ball over three times. They turned the ball over three times and it destroyed any chance they had of winning the game. Let's win one next game's Cal. That's a winnable game. Go out there. Don't turn the ball over, play good defense. You'll probably win the game. It won't be pretty because it's Cal. And it's a fledgling Notre Dame game. Win one. Start there. All right. Yeah, yeah that's right. They we felt like they won week one, but uh, the they eighth, didn't. Eighth, eighth in the country after week one. And, and uh, now, still still receiving votes, by the way. If you want to know how, bullet, a, the, how bulletproof the brand is, still receiving <laughs> votes in the poll, even though they're unranked. I mean, it's such a it's such a like a golden diamond studded trap that so many college uh, I guess like teams have put their coaches in because like the expectation, it's a lot like Texas and that the expectation is to be a national power when like that just doesn't really happen anymore. You know, like it's, it's Alabama is it. And these guys expect to like get back to how they were like Notre Dame wants to get back to how they were in the sixties. <laughs> like it's never going to happen again. Sorry, Nebraska. It's never going to happen again. I'm sorry, Texas. It's not going to happen. You're not going to be like a perennial national championship contender. Like Miami, maybe if you can keep the people in the state, maybe, but probably not. It just seems so hard for any coach that the expectation is so high. And particularly when Saban is actually doing the impossible. You know what? Like even we thought Clemson might be that, but no, Clemson did it for a second. No one really does it except for Alabama and maybe Georgia, hopefully. But the expectation is that all these schools believe that they should be able to get back to Alabama status when they're never going to get there. It kind of reminds me, Spencer, of like, you know, there are no great sitcoms anymore. Every, every TV it. show. You every, stop it. It's true. Every Disrespect. TV show is like, why, why can't we have a show that gets 30 million viewers? It's because <laughs> the world has changed. Attention uh, has fragmented. That's the demographics fair. have shifted. That's and you're chasing the standard of an olden time. Are you calling Notre Dame young Sheldon? Is that what I'm because I'm here for it. I'm really here for it. And that I don't watch I a whole lot of it. Yeah. And yet it seems wildly popular with people. <laughs> that know. I don't know yes. why you'd watch I it. Think, yeah. I think we should call Notre Dame Young Sheldon from here on out. By the way, Texas, of... te like, Texas was never that, by the way. Like never a consistent yeah. national power in terms of titles. And never really much of a conference power overall, especially when compared to the neighbors to the north, Oklahoma, who, of course, remember – my favorite thing about them coming to the SEC is this. Texas A&M escapes them. They pay $95 million for a coach who's going to lead them to the promised land. And guess what happened just, just a few short years later? Hey, guys, nice party. <laughs> We're back. Hey, we know you guys. Yeah, they can't get rid of them. By the way, Texas A&M, do you want to know how many total plays they ran on Saturday? How many total plays did they run? 38. 
They ran 38 <laughs> plays. That's absurd. They had nine first downs. The nine. clock, the clock stops after all first downs in college. Like I remember mm-hmm. studying film after college games, we would routinely play 80 to 100 plays a game. Whereas in the NFL, you play like 55 to 60 a game. To have 30 something plays is outrageous incompetence. They didn't let them have the ball. It's the best game plan State. ever. Appalachian Amazing. State held the ball for 41 minutes and change. Mm. They just said, no, you don't get to play today. Bye. <laughs> Fun. So what are we, we going to talk about uh, the last name on our increasingly last sad man? Yep. Yep. I can't see it. It's too small. What does it say? All right. Scott what Frost. are the chances Nebraska should have held on to Scott oh. Frost for another month? To save themselves seven and a half million dollars. One hundred percent. Hold on. Maybe I don't want to speak too soon. Is there some sort of like um, rumor about him? Some sort of misconduct that I don't know about? Is there some real reason to run him out early? They just got rid of him because they sorry. Just yeah, loses no, to Georgia all, Southern. All the stuff about his lineman vomiting as a matter of coaching technique, totally legal. Not. Well, I guess, I mean, if it doesn't matter to you, it doesn't matter to you. I would have liked them to give the money to the players rather than just give it to Scott Frost to go away. But I guess if it's just chump change you as it appears that they're treating it like, then get them out of there and get on the right track as soon as possible. But yeah, generally, if I can save $7.5 million just to endure some misery for or endure some more losses for a month, that tends to be the right decision. I, t- listen, when you lose to Georgia Southern, I will state being a fan of a program that has in fact lost to Georgia Southern <laughs> at, at home without Ugh. throwing a pass, no less. Okay. Ugh. It sucks. But two things. One, Georgia Southern's a fine program. Two, when the form of the destroyer, when your executioner comes in the form of Clay Helton, it's time to go. It's time to go. You're washed, you're finished, go. You're done. If you There's, can't do that, it's it's over. Trev Alberts, Trev Alberts, the AD there, and everyone who's involved with the decision making decided that it was worth seven point five million dollars to get gone. That's it. It's, aston- I, it's astonishing how how done you are, right? But again, that's what breakups are for, right? They're not they're they're not for budgetary purposes. They're so you're over there and I'm over here. Part of me does think, incidentally, that like if there was ever a time to lose to Georgia Southern on purpose, it would be before <laughs> you play Oklahoma the next week. Because oh, this is I why this happened, guy. I think, right? Like they get Oklahoma on Fox, big noon kickoff, Urban Meyer getting to commentate. Is he still on? I don't know if he's on that broadcast. Is he back? Is everybody- he is back. Anyway, he is back. Okay, great. He's back. Right. So basically, the national stage, like you just <sighs> – I get it. Seven and a half million dollars is so much money, but I do get it. You have to ask questions as to why he's losing to Oklahoma by one million. It feels so. Then you fire him. Then, like that seems like the proper step. Like this feels like an emotional decision because now you've already fired him. After you get blown up by Oklahoma, you have no recourse. Like oh, and also like it feels emotional, like an emotional decision, whereas you haven't considered what the next step is because presumably the head coach is the best coach on the staff. So you fired the best coach on the staff and have to promote someone who's worse than him to now lead the team. Like, I think you wait till after you get blown out by Oklahoma or maybe you rally and beat Oklahoma. I don't know, but it's... Half time Could you do a halftime time Split the baby. Split the baby. Hey, there, there have been... I've never seen oh, a halftime time fire. I have seen... I have seen the third quarter congregation of the principals to a range of firing, right? Like we were watching yeah. one of the final like montages in the Godfather where they all come <laughs> together and they're like, this house is going to go down. Um, that's what we got when Lane Kiffin was fired after a loss at Arizona oh, state yeah. when he was the coach at USC. So you could actually see that happening. The announcer saying, I oh, see Pat Hayden going back. There, <laughs> guys. What is that? What are they up to? Wow. Oh, but I will also state this, that that Nebraska lost a bunch of one-score games. And I think that had to make this more excruciating, that they weren't blown out. And, yes, 5-22 and 22 in one-score games. The most damning indictment of the Scott Frost era is that stat projected forward 
if I were to pick something that would be even worse, it's if Nebraska wins out or if Nebraska suddenly starts winning these one score games. Yeah. With Scott Frost gone, that would be that would be bitterly funny, I think, for everybody involved if that happened. Also, don't hire that staff. Don't make that mistake. Don't do it. I don't care how many sure. games they win. No. Before we go, I know we're getting close to the end, but Spencer, I have this question for you. You understand college football better than anybody I know. So is there any hope for Nebraska to be what they used to be or what they expect to be? Because my I believe you're looking for the word my, back. Can yeah, my my um, opinion is. No, there were particular circumstances that allowed Nebraska to rise to what they were. And I think that those circumstances will never return. And I don't know all the recruiting hotbeds, but you're a, I don't you're think they're in Nebraska. You're a demographics is destiny guy, Dominique. That's what I'm sensing. I mean, I think it helps. Demographics help. Uh, and I mean, if you don't have the best demographics, you need a re- recruiting pitch. It's like come to, Bra- to Nebraska because we got or because we do, like we were in the national championship last year, come to here, or we'll, we put lots of guys in the league, come to Nebraska. I don't know. Our coach knows all the NFL coaches, come to Nebraska. Like what is the sales pitch to get people now, particularly now when NIL money is available, like I don't know what type of numbers the biggest car dealership in uh, Lincoln is doing, but I don't think it's enough to get the best running back in the country. That's all. How much corn money you got? Show me the corn, yeah. And, and even with NIL money, by the way, the biggest determinant of where a recruit goes is proximity to home. There was an right. Ohio State an Ohio State economics paper, actually. A couple of like grad students at Ohio State were like, oh, we'll do a football paper. The biggest determinant of where a recruit goes is proximity to home. If you're within 100 to 200 miles of home, you're going to pick that school. So if you want to know why LSU ends up picking up every recruit in Louisiana, yes, it's because they're very successful. And in the past 25 years, they've had a lot of work done in terms of revamping their image as like a, a public institution that's primarily white. And they not get a racist. Lot of- Just go ahead and say it, Spencer. Not, yeah, they, would, they would like, they present themselves as less racist as they used to be. Did they used to Mark, be. Mark, Marcus Spears will tell this story over and over again about how like, he wasn't going to LSU. He's going to go to like Southern or some other place. And then all of a sudden Nick Saban got there and it was like, Oh no, this will work. Right. Yeah. He changed the entire culture of the way that they interacted with the black athletes of Louisiana. But if you're Nebraska, it's not going to be like it was because they ran a system that maximized talent that was taught from the top to the bottom. Every high school player in Nebraska and in the states surrounding Nebraska ran that system. So by the time they got there, they had maximum reps. They were the first ones to really discover weightlifting. Uh, That secret's out. um, If you didn't know, football (laughs) players now all weigh 300 pounds. And no one runs the wing tee anymore. No one runs, including them. Right. And and no one, no one runs even, no one even runs sort of like a a modernized triple option outside of the Academy. So what are you going to do to be competitive? Um, It's a, it's a great question. That's the thing you say when you don't really have an answer. I would point out you're never going to have that kind of success again because I don't think you're going to get what they had from 1973 to 1997, which is nine wins or better. From 1973 to 1997, nine <sighs> wins or better. That is Every a sheer style run. Yeah. I, I really, so after this show, I will be drawing a 100-mile radius around Lincoln, Nebraska. And find all the major cities, and then I would cry a little <laughs> bit for them. Yeah, do it. It's, do it, man. It it ain't pretty. So you're gonna need a shtick. You're gonna need something that's innovative. You're gonna have to be a little bit different. And even then, you're just gonna have to accept that you enjoyed a great historical run that really was a barren, even for a sport that has long dynastic runs. Right? You have wow. like even Oklahoma. Yeah. You're, you're giving big, don't be sad it's over, be glad it happened advice. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. But for anyone who remembers it, but you got to remember, none of the players they're recruiting, recruiting remember yeah. Nebraska's good. The players you're recruiting right now were born after 9-11 happened. Yeah. That's, that's who you're recruiting, right? So they don't think Nebraska is a program that's ever been great. They're not used to this. So you can't even sell on legacy or reputation anymore. So you got to do better. You got to go ahead and be innovative. You have to try some stuff. And Get that advice- kid who loves corn. 
Can he coach? Who's oh, Pablo. We were, we were too serious for too long. Pablo couldn't take it. Too serious yeah. for too long. Oh, yeah. I had to come yeah. up with the corn jokes. Yeah. My, my, uh, my, my, my argument, my best hope for Nebraska is this. Ensure that agricultural subsidies continue to be expanded and increased every year in Congress so that you get massive <laughs> ag money that bleeds down. So effectively, you get the United States government uh, yes. federally funding oh, the Nebraska gosh. football program. That, to oh, me, that's a start, y'all. That's a start. Ethanol. Ethanol to the oh, moon. No. Electric cars. You guys better run the wing tee again. Um, also, shout out to Corona, our sponsor. Mm, yeah. We love you, Corona. Thank you for helping us live a finer life than you deserve. Um, Tommy Frazier, Eric Crouch. Are we? Are we just saying? Uh, yeah, I remember. yeah, we are. And Dominican Sue wants to coach the Huskers. Oh, bring him out there. Let, let him. Sure. <laughs>